listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. We are in, I don't even know what week of a series now called uh, Little Things. I hope you've been to get a lot from it. Okay, week four it is? Week four? Week five. Week five. Whatever it is. We're in a week of Little Things. Um, there, typically, we try to do a series for four weeks, and then we move on to another series. But when there are series where we feel like God is really speaking and people are really embracing what, what's being taught and what God's trying to say to, the, to, to you guys, we, we try to stay along that a little bit longer. And this is one of those situations. And um, today, we're going to talk about something that I think a lot of people struggle with. Um, and, and I think it's because the enemy wants you to stay in a spot and never move forward in the kingdom. So let me start by asking you this. Um, why can't you see your nose? Your nose is one of your most prominent features on your face. Now, everybody stop right now and just like try. <laughs> Y'all look silly, okay? <laughs> like, it's right in the center of your face, but despite it being so obvious to everyone who looks at you, why can't you see it? And here's why. It's because your brain chooses to ignore it. Okay, it's constantly there. You, while your nose is always in your field of vision, your brain filters it out because it's not information that you need to function on a day-to-day basis. There's only one time when you really do see your nose, and that's when you get a giant pimple on the end of it. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, <laughs> maybe I'm the only one that's ever gotten a pimple. You perfect people. <laughs> but your brain filters out your nose in a few ways, and I read this from an article at the NIH. It's very interesting. One, your nose blocks off part of the vision field of both of your eyes, so when your brain receives the information your eyes are transmitting, it constructs a whole image from the unblocked information from both eyes. So basically what it means is this. Your eyes are in two separate places, and they see two separate things. And what this eye misses, this eye sees. And what this eye misses, this eye sees. And what happens is your brain takes all of that information and forms whatever's in front of you based on what both eyes are seeing, even though they both have incomplete information. Now, I can preach on that for a little bit, and we're going to, okay? Number two, your nose is in your peripheral vision, so you don't notice it as much. So, for instance, out here where the drum cage is, that's in my peripheral vision. And so what my brain is doing right now is my brain is constantly taking snapshots of my peripheral vision right now. And if anything changes, like if somebody on the end there were to just like move their leg like they just did, I'd be able to see it simply because, sorry, <laughs> I'm like just pointing out, but you just happen to be there. Um, but it's because the information that my brain is getting in that moment is, is comparing to the information that it already had of a still image. And it says, hey, something's there. That's why when you're driving, come on, people, listen to me. We had a conversation this morning. When you're driving, you need to use your peripheral vision as well, okay? Yeah, you need to see that. Okay. Now, three, it's so close to your eyes that it's out of focus because you're focusing on things that are further away. These are the reasons why you can't see your nose. Now, (laughs) let me give you one more body trick. We've done this before here to illustrate a point, but we're going to do it today. It really does help explain. Okay, I want you to stretch your arm out like this and hold your hand up in front of you. Now, I want you to look at your hand and focus on your hand. Now, while you're doing that, everything beyond your hand is blurry. Now, focus on the things that are behind your hand, that are beyond it, and now notice that your hand is is blurry. In fact, you don't even know how many fingers you have right now, do you? The same thing your brain does with your nose, it does with your hand. If you look past your hand... Your brain fills in the gaps based on the fact that you have two eyes with different positions. Now, if you're interested in all this kind of stuff and want to read everything I just said, we have all of our notes on version. It's on our Facebook page and all that kind of stuff. You should really dive into that, especially if you're a note taker. Um, it, it's got spaces for you to take notes there. But um, what I'm trying to tell you today is simply this. 
there is more to life than, is, than what is right in front of you. So if you really want to move forward on God's path through your life, you're going to have to begin looking past what's at the end of your nose and start focusing on what God has ahead of you. Okay, now, there it is. I let the cat out of the bag. This is the big point of today's entire message. But before we get too far away from the nose and the hand, let me show you a few things that can help you focus forward because that's what we're talking about today. There's a caveat to this. This message is not about the idea that what's at the end of your nose isn't important. I want you to take a moment and look in your hands right now. Right now, every single one of you have things that are in your hands that are important to you. Some of them are good things and some of them are bad things. Some of them are stresses and worries and fears and anxieties and pain. Some of you, you look down and you see what your hands have done. Some of you look down and you see the scars and you see the lines and you're reminded of all the pain that you've endured. I'm not saying that that stuff is not important. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Everything is important, but listen, everything does not require your immediate attention. If you're a parent, you understand this really well. Mama, Bubba hit me. (laughs) Not important. Mama, Bubba's leg is hanging off his body. Super important. (laughs) So you, (laughs) you learn, don't you? Everything is important, but not everything deserves your immediate attention, and you need to hear that. Because here's what will happen. Sometimes you'll wake up in the morning and the stresses of yesterday, that's the first thing you think about today. And listen to me, that might not need your immediate attention. What needs your immediate attention the moment you wake up is the acknowledgement of the fact that God let you live one more day, that he's still in control, that you can trust in him, that you can give him what's in your hands and he'll actually make a difference. The goal today is to help you put things in perspective. So let's highlight some things Some little things that can help. Okay, the first one is this. Be okay with blurry. Be okay with blurry. Whether it is your nose every day or your hand when you focus beyond it, you're going to experience some blurry times in your life. There are way more gray areas in life than we like to admit. Now, I'm a deep personality. I want black and white. Y'all hear what I'm saying? But life is a lot of gray. And some people are going to say, well, that's a, that's a cop-out. The word is black and white, Jesus. Like, <laughs> I hear you. There ain't no middle ground. You know, on some things, yes. That's true. But even in Christianity, there's some things that are gray areas. Like, for instance, describe election and predestination. Gotcha. Okay. Um, um, describe the rapture. We're going to talk a little bit about that next week. Because there's some things happening in the world right now that's so important. You need to understand what's going on politically in the context of the world. Y'all, even in terms of the stars, like we're not astrologists here. So like, I'm a Libra. Forget all that. That's just hokum, okay? It's the the silliest stuff in the world. Um, But there are some things even happening right now celestially that are signs that indicate Jesus' return might be soon. We're going to talk about that a little bit because I don't want you to be scared. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to be secure. Now, I, when it comes to that, just quickly, when it comes to that, I have a joy about me of the idea of going home to be with Jesus. But there is some terror inside of me. And the reason there is terror is for two reasons. Number one, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I stand before Jesus and I say, look at what all I did for you. And he says, I don't even know you. Because the Bible says a lot of people are going to be in that situation. But number two, I'm terrified for the fact that there are people that are going to walk out of this building that don't know Jesus. It's time to know Jesus. What about once saved, always saved? That's a gray area. 
by the way, if you're confused about that one, whether it is true or is not true, live for Jesus and don't worry about it. Okay, there's the answer. You see, there are blurry areas. Let me prove it to you with a Bible verse. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. You see, guys, there are blurry areas. And I don't mean when it comes to sin. It's very clear what the Bible says when it comes to sin. But I am saying that there are blurry areas when it comes to life, to relationships, and even with God. Are you okay with that? This is one of the few areas where D personalities and C personalities overlap. Um, a D personality is very aggressive. Let's, let's charge the hill. Uh, the C personality is in the back, like making sure the accounting is right and that all the spreadsheets are finished. Come on, where are my C's at? Yeah, y'all, it's every, we need C's. Okay. That's my wife on the front row there. While D personalities can deal with chaos a whole lot better than C personalities can, we both want clarity. We all want clarity. How many times since January has God spoken to you so clearly that you had zero doubt what you should do? Okay, how many times since January has God spoken to you so clearly uh, how many times have uh, excuse me? How many times have you had to take a step, even though you weren't one hundred percent sure if it was what God wanted for you? Is that everybody? I mean, some of us like there's a precipice. We know we need to jump. Where we're like, uh, it's like Indiana Jones right before he walked across that invisible bridge. He's like, oh, you know, leap of faith. That's what it is, though, isn't it? It's a leap of faith. We have to trust in God in that moment. That's blurriness. Is what that is. Side note. Life does have blurry moments, but if everything is blurry, it's indicative that there's a problem and you need to get help. Okay? It's an indicative of a problem. Now, back to the context of what's in front of you. There are times in life when we are so focused on what's right in front of us that we miss the big picture. Okay? So on one hand, we can get so lost in what we're facing that we miss what God has for us. Let me give you an example of that. In Matthew chapter 14, uh, the, the disciples are out on a boat and Jesus comes walking across the water. And Peter, even though Jesus told them to stay in the boat, Peter's like, no, I want to get out of the boat. So he wanted to get out of the boat. And we see this in verse 22. Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to ask, save me, Lord, he shouted. He began to sink. Save me, Lord. Well, how about y'all? Save me, Lord. Lord, if thou wilt, save me. No, save me, Jesus. Like, ah, you've been grabbing everybody. You've been drowning John, trying to pull him out, you know. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Don't hate. We'd be sinking right next to him. Peter saw the wind and the waves, and he took his eyes off the guy who was standing on the water in front of him. Come on, get that in your mind. Peter felt the wind blowing on his skin, even though Jesus was walking on water right in front of him. He felt the water lapping against his face, even though Jesus was walking on water right in front of him. The waves were crashing about him, even though Jesus was walking on water right in front of him. What was in front of his nose was more important in that moment than the one who was walking on water in front of him. 
And what happens to us is we look at the life that we're living in these blurry moments and we don't know what to do. And the things become clear a little bit when they're in our hands because they're so close to us. And we begin to focus on those things that are right here at the end of our nose rather than the one who's walking on water. The very freedom that we've been begging God for, that we feel like we can't because these chains are wrapped around. He's freedom standing right in front of us, but we're so focused on what's at the end of our nose that we miss the one who could get us the very thing that we're longing for. Don't get so wrapped up in the miracle that you miss the miracle worker. But also don't get so wrapped up in the storm that you miss the storm stopper. Jesus could have stopped the storm. And it's amazing to me, it's even come to me right now as I'm saying it, that so many times we want Jesus to pull us out of the storm rather than stopping the storm. Maybe you're where you are right now because Jesus wants you to be there. And yes, it's stormy. And yes, it's blurry. And yes, it's confusing. And yes, you want clarity. But Jesus doesn't want to pull you out of where he put you. He wants you to trust him to calm the storm. Why didn't Peter say, Jesus, will you stop the storm? because what was in front of his nose was more important to him in that moment. We do this all the time. And what it shows, I'm going to be really real with you guys, it shows a lack of trust in Jesus. I mean, my, my good, he was standing on the water. He walked to them on the water. If you feel like you're in the middle of a storm right now, I invite you to look beyond your nose and trust Jesus. On the other hand, we can get so lost in what we have that we miss what God has for us. And I immediately thought of the story of the rich young ruler when Jesus said, hey, follow me. And we see this in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. You see, the young ruler saw what was in his hands and he valued it over what was standing in front of him. And this is where a lot of people in our world live right now. When the money's good and, and the truck's new and the house is awesome, we don't, really, we don't really need God a whole lot. So it's easy for us to stop trusting him. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can look on Facebook and when the stuff is hitting the fan, that's when people are calling on Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help me, save me, do it. What about when things are good? When, when you have the thing in your hand that you've been wanting, when you have the financial blessing, is he still Lord of your life? Or do you need to put him on, on the peripheral now because you have the thing that you've been asking him for? This is where I feel like we get really, really bogged down, and I'm going to be kind of mean for just a second. We talk to Jesus so much for what we need instead of for a relationship with him. It's the truth. Look at this last week. How many times have you prayed and it's not been about what you need, but it's just been about you having a relationship with Jesus? And I'm not saying you, I'm saying us. Because I can fall into the same trap. I told somebody this week, you, you, you know one of the hardest things for a pastor is praying and reading the Bible. Do you know why? Because when we start praying, we start praying for people. When we start reading, we start trying to get a message. You see what I'm saying? We st our prayers are revolve around the church instead of just, Jesus, I want to know you more. You know everything about me. I don't know that I know everything about you. I want to have a relationship with you. 
I'm going to tell you right now, the best pastors that preach the best messages, those messages are born out of a personal relationship, not out of a, 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 a hunt for a message. The security was too satisfying for his flesh. The money was too gratifying for his ego. What was in his hands was more important to him than the one who was offering a seat at the table before him. Don't get so wrapped up in the gift that you miss the giver. But also don't get so consumed by the issues in your hands that you miss the only one who can bring real security and satisfaction because guess what? Things won't. Money doesn't buy happiness. But it can buy fishing. No, no. Because here's the thing, money might buy happy, but it can't buy joy. And joy is what we're after. If you feel like what's in your hand has more of your attention than Jesus, I invite you to give what's in your hands to him so you can experience genuine satisfaction. And let me tell you how big of a deal this is. There's a phrase that my senior pastor told uh, one time in a message. He said, what you leave at the cross, your children won't have to deal with. And a lot of times we think that that means negative things. If I leave rejection at the cross, my children won't. If I leave a a pornography addiction, my children won't. If I leave, you know, all these different things, then my children won't have to deal with that. Now, but also we have to be careful because things that we perceive as good can fall into the same category. You hear what I'm saying? This is why people like I've heard Shaq talk about the fact that he just doesn't give his kids money. They have to do things to, to earn that money. Okay. It's because he wants them to understand the value of what's been given, not just to take for granted what's been given. Come on, man. How many times do we take for granted what God's put in our hands? An earned dollar is spent way slower than a given dollar. So what do I mean by be okay with the blurry? I mean this, learn to lean harder. Learn to lean into faith harder than you lean into figuring it out. Lean into faith harder than you lean into figuring it out. Come on, dudes. Where are my dudes at? Woo, 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 right? What do we do when we have a problem? We're going to solve it. Check out my hook as my DJ revolves it. That's what we do. <laughs> See, I got some of y'all. Some of y'all are like, okay. See, that's a world still inside of you. Jesus is going to get Ice Ice Baby out of you, all right? Some of you right now, boom, 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 boom. Stop. Uh. See, thank you. I love y'all so much. This is how I know I'm part of family. It's because y'all are crazy as my brain is. Amen? Come on, Jesus. But guys, we try to figure things out. And so what we will do is we will abandon a relationship with Jesus while we figure it out and then come back to Jesus and say, look at what I did. Man, Jesus ain't really concerned about what you do. He's concerned about who you are. And your being is always going to trump your doing when it comes to Jesus. So we need to lean into our faith harder than we lean into us fixing the problem. I'm confident that there are sometimes God puts us in scenarios where us fixing the problem is impossible. And we have to be in a place where faith is the only thing that makes sense. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, faith doesn't happen when you have everything figured out. Y'all hear that? Faith doesn't happen when it's all figured out. We learn things, though, in the fire while we are in that faith moment, okay? When the heat is on and the hammer blows are coming down and raining down upon us, when we don't know what to do or how it's going to end, that's where our faith is forged. And if you want to see somebody who's a solid Christian right now who really is living for Jesus Christ, I guarantee you they've been through some stuff. 
they've been in that forge where faith is the only thing that's kept them together. And they've come out on the other side ready to face whatever God has for them. The best place you could ever be is with Jesus, but the second place is in, the second place is in a blurry moment. Now, wait a minute, preacher. You tell me that you want me to be in a blurry moment? I'm telling you right now, whenever we are in blurry moments, we lean into him harder. Let me ask you this. When you're driving and it's raining hard, don't you go a little slower? <laughs> don't answer that, some of y'all. I've seen some of y'all drive, all right? But don't you slow up a little bit? What about when it's dark and it's nighttime and you're in a new place? You're just like walking around like this. I'm glad I got a little light on my watch. I can do like that so I can see what I'm doing. Or else I trip, but I slow down. Why? It's because I'm making sure that I'm listening and I'm, I'm hearing and I'm feeling and I'm using all of my senses to make sure I don't bust my rear end, okay? This is what we do in a blurry moment with Jesus. It's what we should be doing. We should, we should go slower and lean into him a little harder. Okay, Jesus, I know, I know you want me to do something. I know you have a plan for me. You promised that before you ever said, let there be light, you already had a plan established for me. And I know that you haven't brought me this far to leave me dead in a blurry moment. So will you help me know what to do and where to go? And all of a sudden, you might hear Jesus say, step right just a little bit. And you'll step right just a little bit, and you'll get a little bit more clarity. I'm going to tell you right now, God will never give you the full map, but he'll give you the first step. If you get the full map, you won't need him. That's why blurry moments are the second best place we can be. Some of us need to be in perpetually blurry moments where Jesus is the only way out because it makes us lean into him. I told the pastor, this, this, this pastor I was talking to this week, I told him also that one of the things that I love about pastoral ministry is it makes me get closer to Jesus. I don't have a choice. Um, when I started working at New Covenant Church, one of the part, one of the um, um, uh, requirements was that as a part of the staff, I had to tithe. I was required to tithe. Now, some of y'all be like, you know, tell me what to do with your money. Okay, whatever. The Bible says tithe. So they wanted us to do that. So I was a tipper, not a tither. But you know what? Being made to tithe made me see how God is faithful when you do it. And as a result, I've been a tither ever since. Not because you're supposed to give God 10%. Here's your money, God. No, it's because I want to honor him with that. And I've seen the benefits of it, but I was made to do it. Some of us need to be in those places where all we have to do is to focus on Jesus. Blurry moments happen so you can learn to focus on Jesus better. If you, I know you want resolution, but this is huge and I'm even learning this day by day, but Jesus would rather you have faith than he would clarity. Faith more than clarity. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. If, we, if all we're doing is focusing on what we can see, we're never going to get where God wants us to be. Like it or not, though, our faith grows in blurry seasons. You lean in harder on the road when it's raining. Don't be mad at God if you're in a blurry moment right now. Okay? If you don't know why something happened that happened. If you don't understand why God didn't intervene. Don't be mad at God right now. Don't be angry. He's giving you an opportunity to see Jesus clearly. And I want you to know something. And in those moments where we don't know why what's happening is happening, here's what I know. I know this, that, that Jesus is typically the only thing that actually comes into focus in those moments. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, 
looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Listen to me. We are not focusing on the other runners. We're not focusing on the road. We're not focusing on the heat. We're not focusing on the sweat that's dripping from our nose. Our focus is on Jesus Christ. There's more than what's at the end of your nose or the grasp of your hands. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Until God brings that clarity, be okay with the blurry. Number two is this. Second, let your eyes fill in the gaps. If you really want some scientific, physical evidence that God exists, I invite you to take an anatomy and physiology class. I took Dr. Turco at Lamar University, and I'm telling you right now, I don't know how anybody can go through a basic anatomy and physiology class and not understand that there is a God. I mean, I just I, I don't understand how medical students can be atheists. It's insane what your body does. The fact that when you cut yourself, your body has a built-in mechanism to stop the flow using your platelets and heal. Just that is insanity. But start looking into the processes of just how your eyes are able to see things. I said this earlier, that your nose blocks the part of the visual field of both your eyes. So when your brain receives the information your eyes are transmitting, it constructs a whole image from the unblocked information from both eyes. That's some next level stuff right there, y'all. This eye here, this eye here sees different things and your brain says, I'm going to take the information that, that one can't see and form an image that both can see. It's amazing to me. But sometimes we get so bogged down by what we cannot see. Excuse me. Sometimes we get bogged down not by what we can see, but what we can't see. It's the information in those blind spots that, that can terrorize us. Okay? Let me give you a proof of this. How do you respond when somebody comes to you and says, hey man, Max pulled me aside yesterday to tell me about an issue that he has with you, but bro, I can't tell you what it is. Number one, you're a jerk, okay? <laughs> like, who does that? But if somebody were to do that, what happens then? Your brain goes into overdrive, doesn't it? What if you feel like your spouse is keeping something from you? Oh my gosh. It's like if you hurt yourself and you go to WebMD, oh my Lord, you... You have some rare disease that came from Venus or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, WebMD got to chill out, y'all. You will concoct every possible scenario you can imagine, and they're all bad. Uh, let me give you some biblical proof. John 20, 19 through 20. Then the same day at evening, beginning with the first day of the week, when the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. This is after Jesus rose from the dead, by the way. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Let me ask you a question. How many times did Peter and his giant personality show up in a moment like this? Like Peter was walking around constantly with his foot in his mouth. So why didn't Peter say anything right now? We see nothing from Peter in this moment. But we can see his pain in John chapter 21 verse 3 when he just says, I'm going fishing. We've talked about this before here. It's one of the most powerful passages of Scripture, I think, in the entire Bible, John 21. The brokenness that Peter felt from betraying Jesus was weighing on him. That's why we didn't hear some big crazy moment from Peter when Jesus appeared to them. That's why we didn't see, oh, Lord, we knew it was going to happen. Hush up. You didn't know it was going to happen. You denied me. That's what Peter thought would happen, so he kept his mouth shut. And he finally just says, you know what? After what I did to Jesus, I bet he's done with me. You see, Peter was making judgments based on incorrect or uh, uh, information that was not available. He was looking from one eye and trying to make an image based on what he couldn't see. 
you aren't careful, you'll create a narrative based on only the information that you can see. Listen to me. Narratives that are created with incomplete information are wrong. There may be some portions that are accurate, but on the whole, it's incorrect. And what happens is we make assumptions about people and about God even when we don't have all the story. Let me give you an example just in your normal life. Let's say something bad happens to you. Okay, let's say um, let's say. Uh, uh, okay, let's say something not too bad. How about a fender bender? You're driving. Somebody pulls out in front of you. Boom. Fender bender. Cops come, you change information, all that kind of stuff. Your car's drivable. All right, it's not that big a deal. And then what you do is you start driving on home, trying to get home, and you realize that during that time there was a massive car wreck at an intersection and you would have been there. You see what I'm saying? Now, does God do that all the time? I tell you what, I don't know because we can't see the big picture. But here's what we do is we form opinions of people and of God when we don't have the big picture. And I'm telling you right now, that's not okay. It's not okay. This is where the enemy loves to live, though. He loves to live there because it creates more brokenness and hurt in you, even though it may not have actually happened to you. You ever know somebody that will concoct whatever happened and they'll believe it and then they start treating you as if you'd done the thing that didn't happen? But here's the thing, guys. You have two eyes. You have two eyes and they see the same situation but from slightly different angles. It just so happens that one angle is just enough so that each eye has information that the other one does not have. But when those eyes send that info to the brain, the brain creates that image using both eyes' individual information. And the result is a clear image without the obstruction of this nose in front of you. Well, guess what? Let me bring it home. You are one eye and your squad, your friends, are another eye. But when you get together, you have a complete image. Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12 says this, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. What am I saying? I'm saying, just like God put two eye sockets in your skull... He put two needs in your life. One of them is God and one of them is other people. He knew that there were going to be obstructions in your vision when it comes to your life. He knew there were going to be blurry moments. He knew you were going to be in moments where you would not be able to see completely everything that was going on. So what he did is he gave you people in your life to help you see what you can't see. And when y'all get together and talk it out, you get a complete vision of what's actually happening. If you want your eyes to fill in the gaps, here's what you have to do. You have to keep your eyes open and you have to keep them close together. Come on, what I'm saying is you have to keep your eyes open and you have to be sure that you have people in your life that can help you with this. Did you know that you can't see everything that's going on in your life? If you think you can, I just want to lovingly tell you that's probably your problem. Nobody's perfect and nobody can see everything that's going on. I have friends in my life right now that can walk up to me and they can tell me gently and kindly, hey, you're messing up right here. Or I have some friends, not everybody, not everybody can do this, okay, so it's not an invitation. But some of you can walk up and say, you know what, if you don't stop right now, it's going to be bad and you, like, you better stop. Like This is a big issue in you. How would you like it if I treated you the way you treat? I have some people in my life that can talk to me like that. You better have some people that can talk to you like that. Because here's what they're doing. They're not hating on you. 
They're helping fill in the missing visual information that you need to make a correct assumption about what's actually happening. The third is this, last one is this, focus forward. At the beginning of this message, when I asked, why can't you see your nose? I'm positive that, that, uh, that you, because you became acutely aware of the fact that you couldn't. And um, I got you to try to look and see if you could see your nose. Can you do it one more time just because your faces were so funny? Okay, never mind. <laughs> Have you ever tried to walk while focusing only on your nose? Any question that I would assume there would have been an absolute no, it would have been that one. <laughs> Most of you haven't because you know you'd bust your bum, right? Okay, it's funny how we wouldn't imagine trying to walk while physically staring at our nose, but we try to walk spiritually by staring at our issue. And then we have the nerve to wonder why we fail. So why do I need to focus forward? Well, first, because there are other parts of your vision besides your focus that make walking successful. Um, like, like your peripheral vision. It's a hard word to say, peripheral. If I were Scottish, it would be impossible. Peripheral. <laughs> this is a part of the sight that's outside a person's central field of vision and allows them to see objects to the side without having to move their eyes or head. When you, when you focus hard, though, you limit your peripheral vision opening the door for issues like tripping. So focusing forward helps you identify where you're going more clearly and gives your vision the opportunity to create a path to go where you want to be. Proverbs 29, 18, it's a very famous verse. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Vision starts with focusing forward. You look at the issue or where Jesus wants you to go and where your eyes look, your feet follow. The second thing is because Satan wants you distracted with what's on the fringe. You ever, have you ever heard God tell you to do something, and then the moment he, God tells you to do something, you start that process, and then all these outside things begin to creep in, and it's like they just begin to cloud your vision? That's the devil. He loves to get the fringe things to jack you up. This is one of the reasons why we put blinders on horses. You know, if, if, a, if a horse sees something over here, and the horse is you know, skittish or whatever, and it sees that, it'll wig out, and it'll throw you off, trample you, all this other kind of stuff, won't it? So we put blinders on the horse. I'm telling you, sometimes we need spiritual blinders in our lives to keep us focused where we need to be looking. But he's smart enough, Satan is, to know that you probably won't cross a hard boundary very easily. But all he needs to do is create enough of a disturbance in the periphery that we shift our gaze away from Jesus and onto temptation. This is precisely what happened with Peter in the water. He's looking at Jesus, he's like... The waves! And that they got his attention. And all of a sudden, he stops looking at Jesus. And what happens? He sinks. Look at this passage of Scripture. Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 through 7. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave, back, I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I've set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. This is why you need to focus forward. No matter the distractions, my focus is on Jesus. No matter what's going on, my focus is on the mission that he called me to. I don't care if they strike me on the back, if they spit at me, if they condemn me. I don't care what they say about me. My focus is on Jesus. I refuse to let the things that are on the fringe that Satan is trying to destroy my life with get into my focus. 
And so many times in our lives, what we do is we want to be focused on Jesus, but we see something in the periphery and we avert our gaze to that thing. And all of a sudden now, the reason we're entering into a moment of, of blurriness and a lack of clarity is because we were supposed to be focused on Jesus. Proverbs 4, 25-27 Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. This is a word for some of y'all today. Somebody here needs to hear this more than anybody. You've been trying and trying and trying to go. You know what you should be doing. You know. But you keep trying to take these little shortcuts that you think are going to get you there. I'm going to tell you what, when it comes to something like weight loss, it ain't a shortcut, y'all. You just got to do what it takes to get there. That's what it is. And in life, it's the same way. There are no shortcuts in life. There are no shortcuts in spirituality. If you want a better relationship with Jesus, you don't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden, oh, well, I've got a better relationship with Jesus. No, you do the work of prayer and reading and leaning into God's people. You have to do the work. It's the same thing with this. We cannot, we cannot chase after distractions and expect to get where God wants us to be. One more reason to focus forward is this, is because what you see in the world is a distortion of what God created. How does this have anything to play a part? Well, look at this. You know, in the, in the Garden of Eden, the Lord planted this garden and he put the man there and, 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 and God called it good and he made this perfection. And I think sometimes people get so frustrated that God just won't fix their problems like snap a finger and everything's fixed. We have to realize that God put us in that to begin with and not even to the third chapter we were already eating apples. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Like we messed it up real fast and all of us know we'd have probably been in chapter one eating apples. You know what I'm saying? Like we would have messed it up quickly. But because of our choice, that last tree, Satan was allowed to roam. And so what we see in this world is simply a distortion of what God wants for us. I read this quote today, and, I'm, and we're almost done here, but look at this quote from Al Walters in a book called Creation Regained. The effects of sin touch all creation. No created thing is, in principle, untouched by the corrosive effects of the fall. Whether we look at societal structures as the church, uh, as, uh, such as the state, or family, or cultural pursuits, such as art or technology, or bodily functions such as sexuality or eating, or anything at all within the wide scope of creation, we discover that the good handiwork of God has been drawn into the sphere of human mutiny against God. You, you might know this from your um, anatomy class, that whenever an image comes into your eye, it actually hits the back of your retina upside down. Did you all know that? Like it flips, remember the, okay. Um, your brain fixes the image though so you can see it properly in your mind or else that would be a really wonky world we'd live in. My goodness, if that isn't what Jesus does for us. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Peace here is shalom. It means completeness. Kind of like being back in the garden. It's like he takes the visual information from a broken, distorted world. And as long as our mind is set on him and he is our focus, he corrects the distortion so we can see what he sees. What I'm saying is it's this. Focusing forward allows us to step more securely, resist temptation, and allows Jesus to redeem what we might be see happening around us as if we were back in the garden. Do you want to know when we tell you to pray and read your word? To have a relationship with Jesus? It's because number one, you need Jesus. But number two, we live in a fallen world. And if you ever want to get a clear understanding of what God wants you to do, who he wants you to be, and how he wants you to step, 
you're going to have to allow him to change the distortion that you're seeing in the world into the creation that he put you in to begin with. So today's little thing is simply this. Look beyond your nose. Look past what's in your hands. Focus on Jesus because he's the one that makes the difference. So how do you need to respond to this today? You know, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person I always want to respond with repentance. I, I feel like when I hear a message like this, I instantly want to say, okay, well, Lord, what am I doing that's keeping me from, from embracing the truth that you want me to have today? And I know for me personally, when it comes to this one, you know, I can get caught up in what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking in, in moments. I can let my emotions run amok. I can, I can look and focus on the storm that I'm, that it's at hand, or I can get stressed and worried and anxious. I can allow my emotions to cloud my vision. And what it does, it hinders my walk. So if you can relate to that, then what we need to do is first ask Jesus to forgive us of that. There's a verse in Job chapter 31 that I came across this week. It's verses 7 and 8. It says this, If my step is turned aside from the way, and my heart has gone after my eyes, and if any spot has stuck in my hands, then let me sow and another eat and let whatever grows from me be rooted out. What's it saying? God, not only forgive me, but let the produce from what I've sown be eradicated. You know why? Because there are things that I've done in my life that if I'm not asking God to forgive me for them, then they might have an impact on my children. And the last thing I want to do is to start a generational curse. I want to be where generational curses stop, not where they start. And so it means that I'm going to have to bring to the altar all of this stuff that I'm struggling with. Have you gone after what your eyes have been seeing? Have you, have you ignored Jesus? Have you, have you gotten so frustrated in blurry moments that you've made dumb decisions, Ishmael-level decisions? Now let's just ask the Lord to forgive us of that. Can we do that right now in this moment? I always ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes just because it helps you to focus on Jesus and not the people around you. But in this moment, all I want to do right now is just ask Jesus, like, forgive me. I, I, it's like I don't even know if I could create a complete list of how many things that I have done, Jesus, in blurry moments, in moments where I haven't had clarity or moments where I haven't known what to do or where I didn't hear your voice clearly. But what I did instead of just waiting on your voice is I tried to act. I became Abraham in that moment and I created an Ishmael and I, I created something that you never wanted for me. God, I'm asking you right now in the name of Jesus to forgive me. You promised that if I would be faithful to confess and to repent, that you'd be faithful to forgive. So Jesus, we're asking everything that we've sown in disobedience. As Job prayed that you would pull it out by the root, we're asking for that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Forgive us, Father. And lastly, Jesus, we want to do everything we can to focus on you. God, some of us right now, are, we're on that water and we're sinking. Some of us right now, we're looking at what's in our hands and we're trying to weigh whether or not we can really let go of the things that we've worked our whole lives for. But God, I'm asking right now in this moment that you would give us courage by the power of the Holy Spirit to let go of all of those things and to focus on you. 
Not to the left, not to the right, not in the periphery, but Jesus, we'd be focused on you right now in this moment. Father, I pray for your people. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would speak to their hearts right now. God, that you would give them just a little clarity right now of what you've called them to and what what you want them to do, Jesus. I speak vision into visionless people right now by the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it, God. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. Come on, church, in your own way. Just give them a moment right now. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you that you never leave us in blurry moments. But God, you're right with us. That you have a plan and a purpose for us, Jesus. Help us, Lord. In your mighty name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.